Romans chapter 8, we're going to begin with uh, verse uh, 30, Romans 8 and verse 30, and the scripture says, what shall, uh, or verse 30, excuse me, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So the word that we're going to look at uh, in this particular verse today is it whom he justified. So the persons that he has called out of darkness into light, he is also justified. And so... Justification uh, is uh, one way that I've said this. Is justified means just as if I'd never sinned. So God sees you just that way. God sees you as if you had never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. And the reason is Jesus Christ shed his blood for you and for me. So that we could have forgiveness of sin... And also remission of sin. That your sins have not just been forgiven. They've been remitted. They've been removed. And they've been washed away. And they've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And they have been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. In other words, God does not remember your sin. So thank God we can live with a consciousness or an awareness that we have been justified. Romans 5 says it this way. He says, therefore, being justified by faith. So your faith in Jesus. Or you could go back to Romans chapter 3. Your faith in the blood of Jesus. Your faith in Jesus or your faith in the blood of Jesus. Therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with the Father God. God has become our very own Father because we have put faith in Jesus Christ and we've been justified. We've been made right with God, which justified simply means that you've been declared righteous. Some translations would render it in that way. You have been declared righteous. God himself, the judge of all the universe, if there is a judge, he is the ultimate one. Amen. And so God is a God of justice, just and right is he. Amen. Just and right is he. So God is just in all his ways. And so he has justified you based upon what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, last week, we looked at a scripture in Isaiah chapter 54. And in Isaiah 54, it says, In righteousness you shall be established, and you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. In other words, oppression is a result of fear. But freedom from oppression is a result of freedom from fear. And one of the ways that you walk free from fear is that you are established in righteousness. The phrase again in verse 14, in righteousness you shall be established 
and you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. So fear is resolved or dissolved, and fear is eradicated when you live in a consciousness of your right relationship with God. And we also shared in the previous week before that, that love evicts fear. Perfect love does what? It casts out fear. And the week before that, we talked about faith overcomes fear. So we can exercise our faith, and we can exercise our faith by releasing words of faith. We can exercise our love by speaking words of love. We can exercise our righteousness, or uh, we can uh, live in this righteousness by speaking words of righteousness, which gives us a consciousness of righteousness. And one of the things I said was, uh, righteousness consciousness is, is fear resistant. So righteousness consciousness resists fear. It, it gives you, I use the example or uh, illustration of a fire retardant. A fire retardant, it retardant uh, either slows down or actually stops the fire from spreading. So it is used in a lot of applications uh, in our world that we don't even think about many times, but it's there for our preservation and our protection. So we could say righteousness consciousness, if you live with that awareness of God's uh, righteousness in your life, is fear retardant. It uh, retards fear or it stops fear in your life. And so our subject in this series and our title is No Fear. In other words, we're living without fear, uh, li- eliminating fear from our minds. And, and fear can attack you in so many different ways. But thank God, uh, when you live in a consciousness of faith in God and a consciousness of the love of God and a consciousness of your right relationship with God, it is fear retardant. It stops fear and it stops it from controlling your life because it is a, an instrument where whereby Satan uh, many times controls a person's mind, uh, their thought life, their emotions, uh, and and affects their physical body, and even their health is uh, affected by fear, and and it affects their relationships, it affects their family, it affects uh, uh, their performance in life. Why? Because the devil is intending to at least hinder you, but he really wants to stop you. So he uses fear to hinder or to stop you. Uh, And so God says you can reverse that curse. God gives you the antidote, if you will. He gives you uh, the uh, ability to reverse a curse in your life and turn fear out of doors and, and shut it down, lock it down. God gives you the authority as a believer, and when you are conscious of your righteousness, it gives you a greater confidence in your authority. Uh, For example, in Scripture, it it says that Jesus will rule with a scepter of righteousness. In other words, when you are conscious of your righteousness, it gives you a confidence in your authority. Because you know who you are. You know your sins are forgiven. You know you're right with God, and God accepts you in Christ, and that you are free in His presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
But the righteous, it says in the book of Proverbs, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Meaning that you're as bold as a lion, you're resistant to the devil, and you resist fear, and you acknowledge that God has not given you the what? Spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound, well-balanced, strong mind. Praise God. So where the devil primarily attacks you is in your mind. But here he says, God's predestinated us. God has called us. God has what? Justified us. God has then also glorified us. In other words, he's put his glory on the inside of us and clothed us in his his glory. Jesus has given that to us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's go to verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us. What shall we then say to these things? What shall we then say is referring us back to verse 30. Since we are called. Since we are justified. Since we have been glorified. Come on. Since God has predestined us to live this kind of freedom, live in this kind of liberty, live in this kind of glory, since this is true that God says about us, then what shall we then say to these things? How, How are we going to respond? What is going to be our response to what God has done for us in the person of his son? What shall we then say to these things? In other words, whatever is coming against you in life, you're standing in his justification. You're standing in his righteousness. Remember, we shared a verse last week as well in verse 17 of Isaiah 54. No weapon formed against you shall what prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall what? Condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And what? Their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So our righteous standing is of God. It is not something we've done. It's something he's done. And we just by faith receive what he's done. And now we are acknowledging by our saying, what shall we say to these things when they come against us, when condemnation hits our mind, guilt or shame of the past comes to our soul? I can tell you, you have something to say. You have something to respond with. You have some ammunition if you will. Your words are powerful weapons against the enemy of your soul, the adversary of your life. If you dare to speak the word of God and say what God says, what shall we say to these things? If what God be for us, who can Who can, who can, what can be against us? Doesn't mean no weapon is is formed. It simply means that when it comes, when it's formed, when the enemy comes, you have something that is resistant to it. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll what? Flee from you. Shut the door on the devil by the power of the words of your mouth, speaking what Jesus has done, saying what Jesus has done, saying what Jesus has done for you, what Jesus has done in you, and saying what Jesus is now doing for you at the right hand of the Father. Praise God forever. It's good news. Somebody say, it's good news. 
So we are to activate our faith or activate our uh, confidence by our saying. We are to release our faith by our words. So your declaration of faith or your saying that you're the righteousness of God or your acknowledgement that your sins have been forgiven and that you're in a right relationship with God is fear-resistant. Let's go to the next verse. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for how many? For us. For us. For us all. So everybody was included. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, which included you and me. Thank God. How many glad you're in the human race? Hallelujah. So Jesus included you in his redemptive work on the cross. And by his blood, your sins are washed away. God gave his son. Again, verse, he spared not. God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. But how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Consider that with Jesus and through Jesus, everything is included. Many years ago, actually, uh, Pastor Vicky and myself, it was, we had not gone on some uh, many uh, vacations of any magnitude, but this was like a special vacation, and it was our 15th anniversary, and it was a blessing of the Lord. We went to St. Lucia, and it was an all-inclusive vacation. And an all-inclusive vacation, the reason they say it's all-included is because it's already paid for. So it's all-inclusive. Everything is covered. So if you want to, you can go golfing. So we went golfing. I'm not a golfer, but it's included. So why not? Let's go for it. So I'm not a tennis player, but it's included. So I'm going to go play tennis. I'm, I, I had never scuba dived, but hey, it's included. I had water ski, and that was included. They just pulled the boat up. I just ride the way. Here we go. So whatever they had, we just went ahead and went for it. In other words, God has freely given you all things. In other words, it's a package deal. When, when Jesus did the work, it was complete. I mean, uh, you know, we, were, we would go eat, you know. You can eat in all these different restaurants, probably seven different restaurants or whatever. I don't know how many, just a bunch of different restaurants. You could go to other resorts, and you could eat at that, those restaurants. Well, you could go all over the place, a few different resorts, and you could eat there. So we could eat, and we were just laying out by the pool, and then somebody over here, and we just ate a big breakfast, you know. And they're laying over there, well, where are we going to go for lunch? I was thinking, I don't know if this is in my future. I don't know. I don't know. You could live this way every day, you know. Praise the Lord, you might not be able to get out of that lounge chair. All right, so, so 
you know, it was really wonderful. We had a great experience and we enjoyed ourselves. But see, God has provided everything we need. Everybody say everything. Everything's included. Jesus included it all. He included righteousness in his death, burial, and resurrection. He included peace in his death, burial, and resurrection. He included joy in his death, burial, and resurrection. He included the enjoyment of life in his death, burial, and resurrection. Everything was included. And so when the devil comes to you and says, Oh, well, yeah, but. I, I know the devil does that, right? I've had that experience myself. He tried to uh, convince you there is a deletion somewhere. Uh, uh, there is a flaw somewhere uh, that is not covered. I mean, you know, uh, you, but you got problems. Touch your neighbor and say, not you, of course. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, so, uh, and so the devil will try to exclude you from the all-inclusive redemption. He'll try to say, for some reason, uh, for some reason and what you did, and it was just so bad that uh, there's no way that your sins would be totally washed away. But God is telling you today, your sins have been dealt with once and for all. It is a finished redemption. It is not something that you have to make up for, you know, what Jesus lacked. No, it's what Jesus did that made up for your lack. It's what Jesus did to erase your sin. It's what Jesus did to eradicate your sin. So he cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness and he will not remember your iniquities. Hallelujah. The book of Isaiah says that he says, let us plead together. Let us plead together. He said, I will not remember your sins. Just think about it. God, not, 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 not everybody is at this place that God is, you know. You know, they, they kind of remind you. It did get quiet. And I just let it happen. So, People sometimes may remind you of your failures, your faults, your flaws, your past, and all of your history. But God says, I want to tell you about your present. I want to tell you what Jesus did. I want to give you some history about what Jesus has done. And then I want to tell you what he has done in you and what he's done for you. And then I want to tell you what he's doing for you right now. What are we going to say? What are we going to say? Let's go to verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? In other words, when people try to accuse you, come on, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Somebody ought to shout in here, I'm free. I said the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. So God asks the question, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? And then he gives you the answer. He says, the question is this, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? The answer, so sometimes you just need to turn to God and say, now what's the answer to that? What is the answer to that condemnation or that charge or that accusation? What is the answer to that? It is God that justifies. 
In other words, nobody can lay any charge to your account or accuse you. If the blood of Jesus has washed you, you may have done what they said you did, but you are not who they say you are. That may be your history. That may have been your act. That may be what you did. But thank God the blood of Jesus has cleansed you, washed you, and you are who God says you are today. God says you are the righteousness of God. And he said that he has justified you. So if God's for you, man, if the judge is on your side, I said if the judge, if you go to court and the judge already knows the case, he's read all the documents, he knows the story, he's already heard it, it's already been considered, and he said, not guilty. He hears the case. He hears what the accusations are. He hears the defense. And the defense, in your case, is the blood of Jesus. And he says, not guilty. And the judge of all the earth and the universe has already declared you not guilty. In other words, God has justified you. So who are they to say? Now, who are they anyway? Come on, uh, you, you heard, you've heard before, they said. Yeah. Did you know that they said? Did you hear what they said? Now, who are they anyway? But the most important question is, who is he? Do you, do you know that? Who is God? And if God be for you, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? You're going to say what God says. You're going to choose to agree with God rather than people that defy God. Amen? Or defy his word. Now let's go further here. Verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? Then he gives you the answer. He asks the question. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again. Who is he that's going to condemn you if Christ has died for you? So then the answer to condemnation, whether it's through a person or through uh, your thoughts or just the enemy hitting your mind, guilt or shame or condemnation of your past or yesterday. I would say touch your neighbor and say he's talking to you, but they might Yesterday. All right. Some of you are kind of slow on that one. All right. So so think about it. Your response to accusation and condemnation and guilt and shame is Christ died. Hallelujah. Your, Your defense is the blood of Jesus. Christ died. But he not only died, he was raised again. Jesus is alive. He's a living Christ. He's not just a martyr that died for a cause. He is the Son of God who died for us all. Jesus died for all humanity, and his blood was shed for you and me. And so when we come to God, we have liberty and freedom in his presence because you know that the blood of Jesus has washed your sins away. Hallelujah. So if your sins are washed away, And you don't have to live under guilt and condemnation and shame every day. 
Hallelujah. Which causes oppression. Which causes depression. Are you with me? But fear is at the root of it all. But righteousness, consciousness is fear resistant. So when you get conscious of the righteousness of God and that it's Christ that died for you. Now then he says he's raised again, but he takes it even further. He tells you what Jesus has done, but then he tells you what he is doing. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So right now, what's Jesus doing? He's he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing? He's making intercession for you. What's he doing that for? Because he knows you need it. He's making intercession for you on your behalf. What is he saying? I'll tell you what he's saying. He's saying what the Word of God says. He's saying what he has done. He's reminding God of what he has done through his death, burial, and resurrection. He's reminding God who he did it for. He's reminding the Father that his blood was shed for you and for me. To bring deliverance to our life. Isaiah 43 says it this way. Put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. In other words, you need to do that as well. Do what Jesus is doing. We have a high priest that has gone into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. And then he says, let us hold fast our confession. So God has a part to play. Jesus has a part to play. Holy Spirit has a part to play. He brings the word to our remembrance, but we also have a part to play. If it were automatic and Jesus was going to do it all for us, he would just pray for us and we'd have a clear sail from here. But no, he's praying for us, but he's still wanting us to hold fast our confession. And he needs our confession and our words to work with in heaven and to intercede on our behalf. And while we are saying the word, what shall we say to these things? When fear comes, faith needs to answer the door. When fear comes, you need to answer with the love of God Love, perfect love, cast out all fear. Amen? When fear comes, answer with a consciousness of righteousness, a declaration that you've been made right with God. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So your pleading is with God. Pleading in this case is not begging. It is pleading a case. Pleading a case based on the blood of Jesus. Pleading a case based on what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. Christ has died. Christ is also risen. He's now at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us to make sure the covenant that he created for us is made good to us. That we can live in, experience redemption. And the reality of it. Oh my God is good. Woo! Somebody say Jesus is Lord. Verse 35. Then who shall separate us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who is going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. 
using all the different uh, tactics of the enemy, whatever he may bring your way to try to separate you from the love of God today. He said, who shall separate us? Shall any of these things separate us from the love of God? Now, it didn't say they didn't come to try. Because there are plenty of things that the devil will bring to try to separate you from the love of God. Because he knows if he can separate you from the love of God, he can get fear in. And if he can get fear in, he can also bring bondage with it. He can bring oppression and depression with it. But he knows also if you resist him with the love of God, it is a resistant power. It is a coating on you that coats you with resistance and it does not burn you. Come on. It does not destroy your life he can't access that I, I love it when Jesus said the spirit of this world comes the prince of this world comes but he has nothing in me I mean you just want to live in a way a consciousness of God in a way that the devil just can't get a hook he'll He'll throw it out there. He'll try to put bait on it. He'll make it look really good. But I'll tell you, you don't take a bite. Dodge it. Swim on away. Hallelujah. Just move on in life. He'll lay a snare, but you don't get caught in it. He'll dig a trap for you to fall in, but you don't fall in. In other words, you're walking Your steps are ordered by the Lord. You're walking in righteousness, and you are living in a consciousness and an awareness of the Spirit of God and the grace of God and redemption and who Jesus is and who He is in you, and you're living free from fear, and He just can't get a hook in you. Right? Has nothing in me, nothing to work with. Now, He'll start working on your mind, but you got an answer. I said, you have an answer. I said, when he starts working on your mind, you have an answer. Get the word of God in your heart. Declare thou. Make a declaration. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Again, he gives a list there. Shall these things. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. The enemy is out to kill. For thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. They think they got us. The devil thinks he's got us. And we just slipped out again. But he said in verse 37, Nay, in all these things, no, in all these things. Again, the title of this series, No Fear, praise God. So, uh, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him that loved us. More than a conqueror means that, you know, you got more than what it takes to overcome. It means they got a tank that was made in the 40s and you got a nuclear bomb. It means in the spirit, you got more than what the devil has. Come on. You have more power than the devil has against you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. It means that you are more than a conqueror. Thank you, Jesus. 
And everybody say, in all these things. So when fear comes, your conquering spirit rises up. Our first Labrador was, uh, we called him Caleb. His papered name was Caleb the Conqueror. Because it says of Caleb, he had another spirit. Had another spirit. And actually, Caleb actually means dog, if you didn't know that. So, and so. But he had another spirit. They may call you what they want, but at 80, he said, give me that mountain. In other words, he wasn't quitting. When they didn't want to go into the promised land, in other words, they, they're saying they're giants over there. He said, Caleb, steal the people. said, we're well able to take the land. In other words, he had a different spirit about him. Come on. You want a spirit of faith about you. Amen. You want to get up in the morning. Go ahead and talk to yourself in the morning. I said, go ahead and talk to yourself in the morning. Go ahead and say what God says about you today. Go ahead and say what God has said about you, what Jesus has done for you, what Jesus is doing right now at the right hand of the Father, who he says you are. Instead of letting the world dictate to you who you are, you let God tell you who you are because he's already declared it in his word. He's already made it clear in his word. And he said, now what shall you say? What are you going to say? So he did his part. He's looking for us to do our part, right? And then he says in verse 38, for I am persuaded. Here's how he wraps it up. I'm persuaded. Anybody persuaded in the house today? Glory to God. I want to shout myself. But I got to wind this up. So it says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor prince angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, not, not what's happening today, not what's going to happen in the future, none of it, nor height nor depth, the highest place or the lowest place. He said, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm telling you, there ain't nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God. And if it can separate you from the love of God, it can, hallelujah, evict fear out of your life because perfect love casts out fear. And I'll tell you, according to the Word of God, if, if the world can separate you from love, fear can't access your life. Fear can't shut you down and paralyze you. Fear can't hinder you from doing the will of God in your life because the faith of God, the love of God, and the Righteousness, consciousness is resisting fear in every way. It has to go, and it has to go to